If you have your Bibles, uh, we were in 2 Kings. This Sunday we're going to pick up in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 18. Uh, we were looking last Sunday at the Shunammite woman. Uh, we were looking at this woman who was seeking to honor God by looking out for the man of God. And in the course of her just taking her time and energy and resources to bless the things of God, God decided to do something very special for her. She was a woman who was up in age and so was her husband, and she had not born any children. And so the man of God said, this time next year, you will bear a child. And it was such some, it was something that she had given up, so she had become hopeless about. She had given up hope on it a long time ago that even the very mention that him saying this will happen, she was like, listen, don't, don't, don't make promises. Don't, don't, don't say that. I've been wounded too much. But he said, no, it's true. And lo and behold, within a year when she returned, I mean, in a year she had that child. And we talked about how sometimes we give up on things. Things can be hopeless to us. But in the course of of walking out our lives and being obedient to God, God can do something that we feel like can't be done. But we didn't get a chance to finish up the, the passage of that of this recording in the Bible because it didn't just stop there. And it was a nice story. Man, woman, it says she was a she was a rich woman. She was taking her time and resources to do these things. God blesses her. She has a child and that's where it ended. But I want to pick it up because there's more to the story. And I think there's some good stuff for us to learn in that. So if you have it in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 18, I'm just going to read. We're going to go all the way to 36, but I'm going to read it piece at a time. And we'll look at it. So in, in verse 18, it says, now when the child was grown, this is the child that her and her husband had in her old age. When the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me someone, please send one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. And he said, why will you go to him today? Is it neither new moon or Sabbath? And she said, it will be well. Then she sat on the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for, for me unless I tell you. So let me stop right there. So, time has passed. This, this little baby has grown, grown up, probably still young. He's working in the fields with his dad. It appears what he's had is something similar of a heat stroke, maybe. His head is bothering him. He ultimately passes away. It brings up the issue of death. And death is one of those things that for us all can trigger a lot of different things. And many times it causes us to ask the question, why? Why? And as I, as I looked at this passage and I was reading this and preparing this and even thinking about the news that many of us got last Sunday that probably shook the nation like it, you know, it hasn't been shaken in a while and even globally. 
with the loss of someone like Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the other people who were on that plane. You saw a massive cry out from people. I, I can't believe this. You know, why, why, why him? Why now? How could this happen? And I can only imagine this woman whom, remember, she told a man of God, like, listen, I've, I've dealt with that. I'm good. You know, we don't have to go there. But then to have come full circle and have this child and now death has come to this child before, before his time. I'm sure the question had to be, why? Why? And, you know, I want to take a moment and speak to this because I don't really think God has a problem with the question. I really don't. Because, listen, it's natural. You know, you, you, I couldn't help but see myself a little bit in this situation, even with Brian and his family, how we travel going to games and matches all the time. And you think like, man, that could have been that could have been me. That could have been my family. Why him? Why? You know, I don't think God has a problem with the question why. I think what his concern is, is who are you asking the question to? Who are you going to for the answer? Because he says, listen, I got the answers. You seek me, I'll reveal it to you. It's okay sometimes to be bewildered and be befuddled and, and, and disoriented by what life brings to you. But the question is, where are you going for the answers? And I want to look at, if you look at, the, if you look at this woman again, much like the widow with oil. It says she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him. She called out to her husband, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. So we got to understand this. This is a time period before Christ. So she's looking at the representation of God is this man of God. Trouble has come to my life. And right away, she's like, I need to go. I've got to get God in this. I'm going directly to the quickest source I know to, of God. And when trouble comes our way, and we've been looking at this, when hard times, tragedy has come. Who is your source? Who will you run to? Who will you make a beeline to? She's not playing any games. She may, I'm going, and even her husband says, he comes to her and says, why would you go to him today? Is it neither new moon or Sabbath? And she says, it'll be well. And we go back to this husband. Come on, man. Like, this is not a normal transaction for somebody whose child has just died. You see what I'm saying? Like, they brought this child in this world together and he's more concerned about is it Sunday? What you see going to the man of God for? Is it service tonight? And she, you ever had somebody where it's just like, look, I, I'll explain it to you later. You, you ain't going, you so far off the radar here. You, I'm not going, I don't, she doesn't even have time to go into detail about what's going on. Now, maybe she thought he might not give me permission to go do what I want to do. It's going to be, anyway, she felt like it's going to be more of a delay than an asset to what I'm trying to do right now. And men, we talked about this last Sunday. 
that meant we can't find ourselves in this situation where God is something is going on, whether it's tragic or God. And we so out of the loop in our own households that we don't have a clue what's going on. Your wife is praying and believing for something and, and carrying the weight of your family. And you somewhere. You don't even know. She can't even begin to come to you and tell you, baby, we need to pray for this. This is going on right now. We're under attack. Baby, things are going on. She can't even come to you because you're so far off the radar. She, I just got to go pray on my own. It's not. That's, that's wrong. Men. Mm-mm. The normal reaction. What should have taken place was the first person she should have come. Baby, tragedy has hit. I know you a man of God. I know you pray. I know you know what to do. How we, Junior's dead. Something has happened. She doesn't even include him in the process. And we can look at this and be like, you know what? That's crazy. But let me tell you something. Just take a look in your own world sometimes. I've been guilty of that. My wife, the, the weight of the world is on her. And I'm like, Baby, hold on. Let me just see this score right quick. You know, or my mind is so caught up in what I got going on that I'm not even aware of what's going on sometimes in my own household. Until my wife has a snap on me in times and past and be like, bruh, yeah. And I'm like, what, 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 what's going on? Yeah, yeah, this is what's going on. Because you've been out of the loop. And whatever it might be, maybe you're not, you might be working hard, you might be doing. I'm saying, me and we got a responsibility to know what's going on. This is an obvious situation that the child is dying. But sometimes in our worlds, it's subtle things, little things. The enemy may not be bringing physical death to your household, but there may be, there may be spiritual death coming to your household. And if we are not aware, and we just leave it to the women. She'll be praying. She'll pray about it on Wednesday. She'll go up and talk to pastor about it. No, you need to be there. So she says, you know what? It'll be well. In verse 24, she saddled her donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace unless I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God on Mount Carmel. She knew exactly where he was. Because she knew when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, there is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she said when she ran across Gehazi, it is well. She told him it is well. Why did she say that to him? Because she was like, I, I'm, I don't want to talk to you, bro. I understand you're his right-hand guy, but I need the guy. See, when you in, when you when the things are come on, y'all. You 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 you've been in that you've been in the store, man, trying to get something taken. You trying to return something, you trying to get something done, and you got somebody that I, listen, man, I, I don't need to talk to you. I need to talk to the one who can sign off on this. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? You had a guy back, you trying to get something done, and you know you got false guys. I need that. I need a man in that big office back there. With the plush furniture. You know what I'm saying? I need the I need the big wig. I'm messing with you. I'm just messing with you. 
I need a guy who can call the deal. But you understand, that's what she says spiritually here is, hey, listen, it's all good. I need to get to the guy that can, that can, that can, that got me this situation here. So she tells him it is well. Verse 27, when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is troubled within her. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. She fell at his feet, grasped his feet. That's a sign of ultimate humility. That's a sign of ultimate desperation. That's the sign of saying, God, only you can fix this. Only you can answer this. Trouble has come like I've never seen it before. And I need you. This is desperation. We many of us probably have not experienced like, well, I, I just need to grab your feet because that's how close. That's how bad my situation is. And Gehazi. <clears throat> And then she said, did I ask in verse 28? Then she said, did I ask for a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? You know, when when tragedy comes sometimes or things are so bad, you ever been in a situation like that where people will tell you how they feel about the situation before they even tell you about the situation? They'll, they, sometimes they'll just say, why, why, why? And you don't know what they're talking about. That's how painful, that's how much desperation she was in. But when she tells him, Lord, did I not say, this, don't deceive me. He knows right away something has happened to this, 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 this woman's child. Something has happened. And she's in great distress. And ultimately what she's saying to him is, I've given up hope before. This has come into my life. And this has almost left me more hopeless than I was before. It might have been better off if I had never even had the boy than to have the boy and lose the boy. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes in our lives, there are things that we can say to God sometimes where it feels like, God, it would have been better off if I never even had this than to have it and lose it. The pain of losing it after I had gotten to this place is worse than what I was at before, God. Why? What? Look at look at the state that I'm in. She's troubled and highly distressed. And so, what happens from there? He he hears her cry. In verse twenty nine, then he said to Gehazi, "Gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand, and go your way." If you meet any man, do not salute him. And if anyone salutes you, do not answer him. Lay my staff on the lad's face. The mother of the lad said, I want you to hear this. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And he arose to follow her. So he says, listen, this is my right hand guy. I'm going to send him to do to take care of this situation. She looked at him and said, you can send whoever you want. But I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving you. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to be with you the entire time. Because I know you are God's representation. I know you the man of God. I'm going to stay with you no matter what happens. You can send who you want, but I'm going to be right here with you. 
I'm telling you, sometimes God wants us in our moments like this to have that kind of attitude. God, I'm going to stay with you. I don't know what's going to transpire. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to work out or if it's not going to work out. I don't know if you're going to return it or you're not going to return it. But I know I'm going to stay with you no matter what. Because you are my source. You are my hope. And if it doesn't work out the way I want it, I know you can get me through it. So whether he does it or doesn't do it, my hope is in you. And that's what she says, I'm not leaving. And I believe that God would have us because the reality that we talked about, man, trouble comes to us all. Difficult days will come to us all. And in those moments, man, the Bible shows us man, how we can respond. It, you may have questions. You may not, you may be disoriented, but God says, come after me. I've got the answers. Come after me. I can comfort you. Come after me. And you can see what will happen. So Elijah sends his servant ahead of them. She says, I'm not leaving you. And so when Gehazi passed on before them and laid this in verse 31 and laid the staff on the lad's face, but there was no sound or response. So he returned to meet him and told him the lad has not awakened. So Gehazi couldn't do it. it says when Elisha came into the house, Elisha came into the house. Behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both and prayed to the Lord. He went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. Now, as I read this, one of the things that popped in my mind is how would Elisha know what to do in this moment? How would he know how to respond in this moment? And if you go back just a few chapters in, in verse chapter 17, in fact, verse 17, you'll read the recounting of Elijah, his mentor, as he brought back to life a widow's son. And what he did was very, he did the exact same thing that Elisha did. But Elisha had not been called to walk with him when this had happened. This happened before he had even brought Elisha on to be his mentor, his mentee. So you wonder, well, how would he know this? I can only imagine. If I'm working for a man, if I'm serving a man who I know I've heard raise somebody from the dead, from the dead, well, you best believe they first they went on the job. That's the first question I'm gonna ask. Man, how? I mean, as long as I'm in, you know, I, I, I made it past the inspection. I, didn't got, I'm on, I got the job. I'm going to work with you. How did that happen? And, I'm, and here's the point I want to make this morning. Lots of folks want to have a life that's close with God, and they want to see God do wonderful things in their lives, and people want to be used of God. But very few people are willing to submit their lives, submit their lives, surrender, and walk under somebody. And say, I want to, I'm going to serve somebody. I'm going to find a vision. I'm going to plant myself. And I'm going to be a part of something that God is doing. And it may not be my thing. 
But I see that God is doing something, and I see a man or a woman that I want to that that can mentor me, and I'm going to sit under them, and I'm going to serve them, and I'm going to serve the purposes of God. Oftentimes, man, what God wants to do with you is connected to who you're willing to sit under and serve under. I'm telling you. Some of the most powerful things that God... Here this man is recorded in Bible historically for doing an awesome and powerful work. And I guarantee you a lot of it was because he sat under and served a man of God. Long before he was ever asked to do anything like this. But oftentimes the very thing that we want to happen in our lives, we don't want to do what's required to make it happen. We want to bounce from place to place. We want to get mad from folks to folks. We don't want to anchor somewhere and say, man, speak to my life. If you see something that ain't right, I give you full authority to tell me. If I'm, if I'm fouling something, call me out on the carpet because I'm trying to go where God wants me to be. And I can't get there without a blueprint. You see what I'm saying? So I encourage you, if you don't have somebody Anybody that you know, somebody that you know is a man or woman of God that can that you know is gonna is gonna is godly and they're gonna teach you in the things of God and they're gonna be honest with you and they're gonna cultivate you and grow you. They see what God wants to do in your life and they speak to that. You need to make you need to surrender your heart. You need to you need to submit under that. Because I'm telling you, people look at my life and they say, Man, we had the people are looking at stuff like, man, David, this is awesome. God's doing some tremendous stuff in your life. And I can directly point it, but a lot of it has to do with the people that I've sent Visions that were not mine. You know, I was sharing with some guys this, this past week, even with Agape Development, how me and Kirk came together at a time in history when God had appointed it. And he had a vision for Agape and what it was. And, I'll, and God allowed me to come and serve in that. Was it my vision? Kirk and Amanda. Let me get that correct. It wasn't my vision. But God allowed me to come and serve in that vision. And a lot of the things that have happened in my life, I know are part of that because of serving under someone else. You see what I'm saying? And there were people in my life before him. Then I had an opportunity. They had a vision. And I was able to serve in that vision. And when God gave me a vision, man, I was able to walk into some of that. All I'm trying to say is, man, you can't skip. I don't want you to miss this step. If you know God's called you somewhere, you know God has put somebody in your life, you stay in that place until he tells you it's time to go. You stay under that person until he tells you it's your is the time is, is but the worst thing you can do is know what God is saying. Right. Disobedience. And then we wonder why it just won't seem to come together. The plan, I don't know why. Man, look at your life. Where's the obedience? Elisha was obedient to Elijah. And that's partly why God brought him under his his covenant. And then when his time came, he knew what to do because he had a mentor who had been there and I'm sure had talked to him and showed him throughout the years. This is how a man of God conducts himself. 
This is what you do in this situation. Here's how you seek the Lord. Here's how you do these things. All of us need that. So that when the moment of time comes, then we'll be ready for what God wants to do. So here, Elisha is in this moment. In verse 35, it says, Then he returned and walked in the house back and forth, and he went up and stretched himself out on him, on the lads. And the lad sneezed seven times, and the lad opened his eyes. He called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she came in to him, he said, Take up your son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground. And she took up her son and went out. Elijah's work here proves the same point that Elijah's healing demonstrated. The Lord controls death and the Lord cares for the needy and the hurting. Let me tell you something. I don't care how bad your pain is, how big your hurt is. God cares. He cares. And I know in those moments, and like in these moments with her, the thing that people want to declare the most is, where is God and why doesn't he care? He cares. He cares. And whether it's never giving you something that you desire more than anything, or giving it to you and then it taking it away, or giving it take to you, taking it away and restoring it, he's still God. He's still Lord. And we have to understand that that's, it, it is. We may not understand it in the moment. We may not understand why God is doing or why he's allowed something to happen. But we can always trust that he cares and he'll provide. And even if God doesn't give me the result that I desire in the moment, that doesn't mean he's not God. And it doesn't mean he doesn't care. Come on, parents, you know this. You can't give your child everything they desire in the moment. Doesn't mean you don't care. And it doesn't mean you're not looking down the road with what's best for them. But there's a reason why. And God also has those. The scene also shows that the prophet not only are preachers and of sin and repentance, that they also are agents of God's healing and mercy and the kind compassion. God wants us to know this. He is our provider. And that's kind of what the sum of this short series has been. That he is our provider, but we got to look to him. The woman, the widow of the oil and the Shunammite woman, both in their moments of great tragedy and devastation, immediately said, God, I want to pull you into this. I'm not running to the courts first. I'm not running to this person first. I'm not running to my horoscope first. I'm not running to some outside source first. God, I'm coming to you first. What do you have to say about this? And when God gave them instruction, that is what they responded to. And even when more trouble came, they still said, God, it's up to you. It's up to you. All I'm trying to say this morning, y'all, I don't know what will come. But I do know it won't be anything that God hadn't seen before. And he'll be there for you. He will be there for you. Notice, I didn't say what the results would be. I just said he'll be there. But you got you to gotta reach out for him. You got to grab a hold of him like the Shunammite did to the man of God. 
I'm not. Where you go, I go. Because you are my only hope. I pray you remember that, not just in times of difficulty, but at all times. I want to pray for us this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if, 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 if you need prayer in this area this morning, because either you're going through something, God has done something, God has spoken to you this morning, and you need prayer, just raise your hand so I can... I lift you up this morning. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray for these hands that are risen. Father, I pray that you would help us cultivate a desire in us to run to you and you alone. To immerse ourselves in you, Lord. To be obedient to your word. That we would surround ourselves with people who can speak to us that can direct us, that we have submitted our lives to them as we are under you. But Father, I pray for the broken heart, for the heart that has gone through tragedy and may be wondering, where are you, Lord? Where is God in this? Father, I pray that as they seek you, you would answer them. You would comfort them. You would put your arm around them that they would feel your presence. Father, I pray for millions of people across this country who are who are devastated this past week through by death. Uh, and it may not have been directly related to them, but it, it triggered something within us, dear God. Uh, and even for the families who are actually going through this, I pray that they would feel you and that they would hear you and that they would seek and reach out to you. That a testimony would come forth about how God provided in our time of distress and trouble. How we felt his comfort. And how he delivered. Father I lift up. These hands today. And all those who are hurting. In our community. In our country. Father let our hearts. Turn towards you. We thank you. We bless you this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 So I encourage you this morning. Uh, you may or not, you may or may not be facing uh, the issue of death like this woman has. But just know whatever it is, deep seated from long time ago, long time, long past, or something fresh that you're looking at right now, God is a provider and He cares. And if you come to Him, He'll meet you in that place. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap, if you will. Amen.